Well, uh, yeah, it's cool to be here. I am um, Jordan Goody. I'm from WVU. Uh, there was a picture of my family up there. I think I have another picture of my family up as well. Yeah, so that is, uh, that's in Morgantown. The Morgantown will never look nicer than that, so that's like, uh, that's, that's about as good as it gets. Actually, we have mountains around it, so it's pretty nice. Y'all, but by the way, y'all have a beautiful campus. It is, it is like, y'all should be impressed. Y'all, y'all have a very nice campus. I, um, WVU is a nice campus. That's where I am. I'm not actually from West Virginia, though. I'm, I'm a Texan, so that means I'm from the greatest country in the world. Yes, Texas, the greatest country. I am an arrogant Texan. I am proud of that still, but I moved to Morgantown. In six days, it will be officially four years ago. And so, yes, moved to Morgantown four years ago to start the Chi Alpha at West Virginia University. This is my family. Uh, this, our newborn was born like, she was born 16 days earlier. Her name is Naomi Grace. Now, today, she turned three weeks old. And so, no, today isn't Friday. Tomorrow she turns three weeks old. And so that's my wife and my other daughter, Zoe. She is about to turn three in two months. And so that's my family. It's a little bit about me. Uh, some other things about me, went to Sam Houston State University, that's where I joined Chi Alpha, that's where I gave my life to the Lord. I'm going to tell that story a little bit to y'all, just so you'll have a better idea of who I am. And another thing about me, you know, I think sometimes to better understand who someone is, it's good to say some of your failures, and one of my failures, um, I was a super senior, that was, that was one thing, so I graduated in five years, I didn't do it because I did anything noble. I actually did it because I changed my major my senior year. Yes, in my senior year, I realized, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. And so that's when I changed my major. And so I added a whole other year and a half to school. And so that was fun. Changed it from biology to history. It was, um, it was much more fun for me. You know, I had, uh, anyway, anyways. But another thing about me, what else? Oh, you know, growing up. So I tried to be a UFC fighter growing up, and I was, I was like on the way to like going and becoming like the next John Jones. Well, before John Jones, though, also not with the pharmaceuticals or anything. You know what? Just I was on my way to becoming the next John Jones, and I was undefeated. I was 4-0, and, you know, I don't know what fighting is like here. In Texas, you know, it's still cool to fight as a kid, and so I was, I was trying to fight and trying to be tough. And then I came up against the toughest opponent that they were tough, and I lost. And the worst thing about that loss was that this person was not like me because they were, it was, it was, it was a girl. And, and so that was, that was, that was how I lost. Um, it specifically happened, it was sixth grade, I was a nerd. You can kind of tell that I'm a nerd because you can see how thick my glasses are. And yes, I can see the future with these. They are very thick. I'm like plus six, and so it's really bad. I really am blind. I've always had this bad of vision. I've been wearing glasses. I'm not exaggerating. Since I was two and a half. Two and a half. That's how long I've been wearing glasses. It's pretty bad. And they've always been this thick. And so I was a nerd, but I was good at basketball, as Josh has already mentioned. And I kind of got by on that. And so anyways, I'm in sixth grade. I'm at this school, and there's this girl where... Basically, she, she said something, I made a joke, 
And then she was like, oh, hold on, what'd you say? And I was like, I ain't nobody worried about you. And then she, and then she was like, oh, I'm a, you know, well, she didn't say it like this, but she said, I'm going to beat you up after class. That is a very nice way to say what she said. And then I was like, I looked back at my friends. I was like, man, she ain't going to do that. You know, anyways. And so I wasn't worried about it. Fifteen minutes later, the bell rings. It's the last period of the day. I walk out of class with my friends. And then all I hear is, where are you going, punk? And I... It's, her voice really was that deep because she was like, she was old. She was held back multiple years. I'm not exaggerating. She should have been here tonight at Chi Alpha. Like, that is how old she was. She should not have been in the sixth grade. She really was supposed to be in the ninth grade. So that helps my story out a little bit. But I did still get beat up pretty bad, as you will find out. Because basically, she yells that out. I look at her, and I'm like, look, I, I got this. And I walk over to her, and I, you know, you don't, you don't hit girls. And so I, I pushed her a little, but it wasn't like a projection push. It was more of like a, kind of like a that, and then I was like, stop. Just stop. This is ridiculous. And then she looked at me, disgusted, like, what the? And then the next thing I remember is four really fast hands hitting my face, and then my glasses being somewhere else, and I'm calling on the floor, and I'm like, my glasses, my glasses. And then the eighth graders look at me, and they're like, man, it's Hey, come and look at this old boy who get beat, got beat up by a girl, you know. And so it's like the worst situation. And it's just like a movie because it literally is a ring of kids laughing at me as I'm crawling around. And she's kicking me on the floor while I'm looking for my glasses. It was, that's, that's legitimately what happened. And the worst part of the story is she was like, yeah, that's what, that's what you get, punk. And she walks off. All the other kids walk off. I find my glasses. I'm holding them, and I'm crying. I'm sitting on the staircase, and I'm just, I don't know what to do. And then one of the girls in the class walks up to me, and she's like, man, Jordan, that was really, that was really mean what Crystal did to you. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> and then she says, hmm, well, bye. And she leaves, and, <laughs> you know, that was, that was it. And so those are some things about me, just to help you understand who I am. Um, tonight, uh, just to... Uh, I should have, I'll put this right here. Tonight, I just, I had something else prepared, but basically, oh, it's ice cream. Or mayonnaise. I got a napkin in my phone. But, um, oh, man, and another thing about me, I hate mayonnaise. Who, what is, oh, mayonnaise is one of the worst things. Sorry, I had one. I had a napkin. I don't know where it went. But tonight, I just want to tell four stories. Uh, I had something else prepared, but just with some of the things that y'all had going on on campus, I thought it'd be better if I just tell a few stories, um, changed up a little bit what I had to say. But we'll be talking about basically the prodigal son, a story a lot of people are familiar with. And then I'll say a little bit more about my story. And the main thing that I want to say, and I'll just say it right now, is where will we go to find fulfillment? Where will we go to find hope? Where will we go to find justice? There's a lot of different places in this world and there's a lot of different places that people have gone to in order to find these things. And so we're going to read the story about a, a young man who basically, in trying to find some good things, went to the wrong places and how that turned out for him. Thank you so much. So I'll pray, and we'll jump right in. Lord God, thank you, thank you, thank you for who you are. Speak to us through your word. Lord, I thank you for the privilege to be able to talk about you and to talk about how good you are. I pray, Lord God, 
that you would help us to see how good it is to be in your house. And I pray, Lord God, that that's where we would go to find everything, everything that we're looking for. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sweet. So we'll be in Luke chapter 15. A lot of people know this story, but I'll go ahead and read it. In Luke 15, it says, there we go. Thank you. And this is Jesus talking to a bunch of, it, he, wasn't, he was talking to a large crowd. It was a group of Pharisees. It was also a group of tax collectors. He was, it was just a very big crowd. It was a broad crowd. It was a religious crowd. It was also a very secular crowd. And so he's talking to these people, and he's talking about these different parables. He's giving these parables about lost things. And then the third part of the parable is this. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who went, who sent him into, into the field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, that's a great verse. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly, oh, sorry, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put the ring on his hand and the shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. What a sweet story. You know, I can really relate with this guy because I don't think he's that different from many of us, but I know he's definitely not different from me. And then when I think about my story, you think about this young man, for whatever reason, he is discontent in his father's house because he thinks that he needs to leave his father's house to go out and find whatever it is he's looking for. It said that he got into reckless living. Who knows what that is? Who knows what that meant? Was that gambling? Was that like just like partying? Like what, was it like just alcoholism? Was it all of it? Was it just like him not taking care of himself and him trying to find fulfillment in, in overworking and trying to make a name for himself somewhere? What did that look like? But it was something. It was something that he thought, you know what? I need to leave my father's house and I need to go into this place, wherever that is, called the far country, and only in the far country can I go and find this. I don't know what he was looking for. Was he looking for adventure? Was he looking for significance? 
Was he looking for value? Was he looking for fun? What was he looking for? I remember when I came to Sam Houston, I had grown up going to church all my life. Um, and when I got to college, I didn't have many goals. Uh, I only had two, really. My first goal was to get into med school. I wanted to do well in school, and, and you have to do well in school in order to do that. And then the other goal I had was that I was going to enjoy the college experience as much as possible. Grew up going to church, wasn't totally interested in making that a priority in my life. In fact, that I had no interest in, in fact, I had, I had plans where I was like, all right, I told my parents, like, yeah, yeah, I'll find a church when I go, when I go to college. And then I really knew, you know what, I'm not making any time for this. And I was okay with that. Funny thing was that God didn't have uh, the, similar, the same plan as me for some reason. And so I get to college. My mom drops me off. She helps me move in. And then I literally, I, so the college I went to, there was like eight other people who I knew who were moving to that college. But no one else moved in when I did. So I'm there by myself. I don't know anyone. So I'm walking around campus just kind of exploring everything. And I walk up on an event for people who've just moved in in the center of campus. And the first person I meet, literally somebody walks up to me while I'm getting some food. And they're a part of this group called Chi Alpha. And they're like, oh, hey, what's your name? <laughs> they're like, oh, hey, what's your name? I'm like, Jordan. And they're like, oh, okay, where are you from? And I said, Houston. I was like, oh, so you're a Houston Astros fan, you know? And so right now, as, as an Astros fan, I'm from Houston. It's, like, cool to talk about the Astros because they're not the last Astros anymore, you know? We're going somewhere. And so I just want to reiterate that, you know, because they're about to win the World Series, just in case you were wondering. Sorry, national fans or, or whoever you support, but you know, it's the Astros year. But anyways, you know, I'm sorry. It's Houston fan, Texans, Rockets. It's not much celebrating it gets to go on, so I got I to live it up. But, you know, we, talk, we talked about sports for like 20 minutes. And then he turned the page, and he was like, hey, so, you know, I'm a part of this group called Chi Alpha. I'm a small group leader with Chi Alpha. You know, have you been thinking about going to any Bible studies? You know, what about this and that? Did you grow up going to church? And I was like, ooh, yeah, um, yeah, about that. I'm going to see you later, and, you know, you can have fun with that. I'm not necessarily interested, but, you know, have a great life. And I'll never see you again. That's what I thought. And so I get out of that conversation as soon as possible, catch up with my friends who were moving in a few hours later. And then we end up at, you know, we end up at a, at a frat party and stuff is going according to plan. And I get back to my dorm at 3 a.m., 3 a.m., walk in. I don't expect to see anyone. But when I come into the front entrance of the dorm, it's literally like looking out the other side of the store where somebody's coming in the other entrance. And coming in is that guy that I met earlier. And I see him, and I'm like, oh, no. And he sees me, and he's like, dude, what are you doing here? And I was like, ah, what are you, no. And he's like, man, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I live in here, and he's like, that's great. <laughs> I said, no, it's not. And he was like, what, what room are you in? And I said, well, actually, I'm in this room right here. And he's like, man, this is, this is awesome. And I'm like, why? And he was like, well, because I'm right next door to you. <laughs> and he, was, he, he, he bothered me for six weeks. He invited me to everything he could invite me to. Every, I think he created some events with Chi Alpha. 
just so he can invite me to stuff. I, I don't know how, I'm, Chi Alpha does not have that many events. He it was inviting me to stuff every day. And I just kept telling him no and no and no. But during that time, I was like, hey, you know what? I, I've grown up in church, and I wasn't satisfied. I was discontent. And I was like, look, I'm coming to college. I want to make a name for myself. I want to I wanna go out and, I, look, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a doctor to help people, but I also wanted to be a doctor just to, because that, cause that was a respectable career, you know, and you make a good amount of money doing that. And who doesn't like a doctor? And I enjoyed science. I really, I really, I really enjoy science. And so that's why, that's why I did it. And so I'm looking at this, and I'm like, look, I'm trying to have fun. I'm trying to find adventure. I'm trying to find significance. And I'm not going to find it with you. I'm going to find it over here. And so that's what my first six weeks looked like. I did well in school. I did really well in school. I started getting invited to different opportunities to go and excel in what I was trying to do, but I also was, I was dabbling quite a bit in the nightlife at Sam Houston until there was one night that it went way further than I ever expected it to go. And long story short, you know, I'm, I'm with four friends at Sam Houston. It's kind of like what y'all have here. From what I know, you don't have any fraternity houses or sorority houses that are like on campus. So you have to go kind of off campus in order to get to them. Well, that's how it was for us, except it's in Texas, you got to, like, drive a few miles through the woods. And it's kind of creepy. It's kind of weird when you think about it now. But that's neither here nor there. So, you know, we're, like, four miles off campus, and it's woods, and nobody's trying to walk it, you know, late at night. And we're all drunk, but we have to get back. And so it's like, well, who's the least drunk? And it was me. And so I, I drove home drunk that night. And, I, you know, you don't ever plan to do stuff like that. You know, you don't ever think like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go and, and do something that could be really bad. Like, you just, it just kind of just happens because you just end up in certain circumstances that maybe you regret your putting yourself in to begin with. And so I go and I drive home drunk, and, and somehow we manage to make it. But I remember waking up the next day. I woke up. It was literally like... It was 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I missed all my classes. I missed like four classes, and I'm looking, and I'm literally in bed, and I had one of the most profound conversations I've ever had in my life that afternoon in my bed waking up. And I was just like, Jordan, what are you doing? Like, is this what you thought, was this what you were hoping for? What, what could have happened last night? Where are you headed? What do you want? All the things that you're dreaming about in this life, do you think that you're going to find them going, in a sense, to the far country and trying to find fulfillment there? And I remember wake, I just remember like coming to myself as that verse says, I came to myself. I, it just, everything was clear. And I got, I literally got out of bed. I was, I was in my underwear and I walked over to, that guy's door, Will's door, and I knocked on his door, and I was like, hey, I'll, I'll come. I'll come to your small group. I'll come to Calpha. I'll come to anything. And he's, like, looking at me like, man, why are you not dressed? <laughs> but I was, I didn't care. I was like, I, I know where I'm headed, and I know that this dabbling is going to get further and further. Like, I'm only six weeks in, and this is, I'm already 
where I was last night. I don't want to be there. And so I think about this young man, you know, thinking about the prodigal son. He leaves his father's house, and it doesn't say that his circumstances kind of like got bad in the sense of like, oh, he just put himself in a bad situation, and he burned all his money, and then all of a sudden he's like feeding pigs. It actually says that when things went bad around him, then all of a sudden he didn't, have, he didn't have any more security. All the people who were probably there praising him, patting him on the back, supporting him, they were no longer there. And so when circumstances turned bad, it says there was a famine in the country. And for an agrarian culture, that's, that's devastating. If there's a famine, it hurts everyone. It doesn't matter how much you have, it hurts you. And so this guy, he doesn't know many people, and he's alone. And he's at the point where he's feeding pigs. And so he goes, and he's like, look, even the people who were the lowest in my father's house have it way better than I have it. What am I doing? So he starts heading back home. And it says that when he gets back home, his father has compassion on him. I, I enjoy the Bible, but I just can't help but wonder. Y'all ever read that story and wonder, like, if there was, like, a bath anywhere in between, like, the pig, the pigs, you know, and the, the father putting the robe on him? Do y'all ever, like, is that, is that just me? <laughs> Nobody else is, like, I mean, this is, like, of no, like, real significance. I just always wonder that. Y'all don't, y'all don't think about that? Like, I wish there was, like, some wet wipes in there or something, you know, like, just something in between the, the pigs to the father. Y'all don't. Nobody cares about that. I, I don't know. I think about stuff like that, and I'm like, man, was there like any kind of bath? But anyways, it says the father put a robe on him, said he put the ring on his finger, put the sandals on his feet. He, that means he reestablished him to the position that he was in. This is so cool to me because, you know, when he came, when he left his father's house, he left dis- discontent because he thought his father was a certain kind of man. And then he comes back and he finds out that his father is totally different than he could have ever imagined. His father was unlike what he thought he was. He thought he'd come back and he'd be the, you know, the sorry son who, yeah, when people come and visit, the father's like, oh, yeah, hey, this is my son who's always been here with me. And then here's the other bum who left and squandered all of his money. Can, let me tell you what he did. He did this and this and this. And so now he is a bum who lives in my house. He thought that that would be his fate. But he came back and he found out that his father gave him significance again, gave him value again, gave him security, gave him hope. One thing that's been really enjoyable for me in walking with the Lord since, because I gave my life to the Lord soon after I joined that small group, is realizing all the things that you get in the Father's house like, yeah, you get, you get security, and yeah, you get adventure, and yeah, you get significance and value, but you get a whole lot of other things that you can't get in the world as well. You get grace. Man, we live in a world where you have to earn everything. Y'all, like, y'all, y'all, are, y'all are working your butts off to go and try to have an opportunity to get jobs that you have to, like, fight tooth and nail to get. In the Father's house, you get things that you never could have earned on your own. You can't get that in the far country. 
But he also got forgiveness and hope again. You can't get that in the far country either. And all of us need forgiveness. You know, I think about all the stuff that y'all have to, man, I'm in West Virginia. My issue is really convincing people that there's actually, there's actually injustice in the world. And there's actually racial injustice that, for some people, that's hard, to, that's hard for them to fathom. For you all, it's, it's, a, lot, it's a lot clearer. So you have other, other battles with this. But no matter how much injustice that we face, we all know that we have given injustice to people every day. We're mean to people that don't deserve us to be mean to them. We're short with people. We're rude to people. We're cold to people. We're indifferent to things that we know we shouldn't be indifferent to. None of us is without the need for some significant forgiveness. And, and you're not going to find that in the far country. That only comes in the Father's house. Another thing that's really cool about what you find in the Father's house is you find someone who understands you and who is willing to go to bat for you, so much so that they're willing to suffer for you. It says in, and I don't, have a, I don't have a slide of this, it says in Isaiah 53, it says, and this is talking about Jesus. And this is so cool because, you know, this was written 400 years before Jesus ever, ever walked the earth. It, was, it actually was written more than 400 years, but the reason I say 400 years is because the Dead Sea, the Dead sea Scrolls, which are dated up to 400 years, the scroll for Isaiah is dated 400 years before Jesus ever walked the earth. It says this about him, and it talks about it in the past tense. That's how, that's how certain Isaiah was that this would happen when he's prophesying this. And he says, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For Jesus, for he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he, was, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. The greatest thing that you'll find in the Father's house is Jesus. And Jesus, as Natalie said it earlier, as Josh said it earlier, Jesus has to be the center. That was the greatest thing that that guy Will showed me because he, he, I had never seen anyone who was my age be that excited about Jesus like he was. It changed me forever. Man, I don't know. I just, I didn't plan on saying this, but man, do y'all know how important it is? I don't know y'all. So I'm always hesitant, especially in first meeting people to like say like things where I like am like direct and to like tell you like, the way that you should be thinking, but 
it means so much. It's one thing, you know, I'm, I'm older, you know, it's one thing for me to walk around y'all's campus and to talk about Jesus. It's another thing for people to see you be excited about Jesus, to see someone who is your own age be fired up about the Lord, not to see an older guy, like there's nothing wrong with older people who love the Lord, but it's, it does something to you when you see someone who is the same age as you, but they get it. It just, it messes you up. It messed me up. Another thing I'll say about the Father's house, though, and this is specifically, I didn't, I didn't have this story planned before, but just thinking about where you all are at and what, where you've been, I have a picture up here of uh, one of somebody I just really enjoy. Anyone know who that is? Yo, my man, let's go. <laughs> yes. Fyodor Dostoevsky. Yes, Dostoevsky. What a sweet name. I wish I, man, sometimes I wish I was Russian just so I could talk like them. Russians are so cool. He was one of the greatest authors of all time. It's not really debatable. Don't really get, get any arguments. He's, he, was, he was a bad boy. He knew what he was doing. You got the brothers Kamarazov, or sorry, I mispronounced that, but then you got the idiot, you got the demons, you got crime and punishment. Some of y'all probably had to read these for high school. No, yeah, no, no one's. A few people are excited, a few smiles. He was awesome. But you know one thing that was so cool about his story? He, didn't, he, he, he was a writer early on in his life, but that's not what he tried to do first. What he tried to do first was he was discontent with the government. He was discontent with the injustices of the czar in Russia. And so he and a few other men tried to speak out against the government and tried to tried to fight against injustice, but the czar found out. And so they were caught, and they were all supposed to be killed. And this, so the way that it worked was they were supposed to go be taken out into the cold. They didn't have robes or any, like, warm clothes on. They, had, they were almost naked, and they were going to be before a firing squad. So they get caught. They're in this setting. They get taken out, but in a cruel joke. They get left out in the cold, like below freezing temperatures for a good bit as they're waiting to be shot to death, and then no one comes out. And then all of a sudden, officers come back in and say, I'll hold on, the czar doesn't want to kill you. In fact, he's going to do something worse. He's going to send you to Siberia, which is where they sent people 150 years ago in Russia into exile. In fact, they still kind of do it a little bit, to go and live in subhuman conditions. And so that's where he's doomed to. So he's going to Siberia, and when he gets there, two women are, ha are handing out Bibles, little New Testaments for him. And he gets one, and he starts to read it. And while he's reading it there, he comes across this story, Luke 15. And he's blown away over how good God is. And he's like, this, is, this Jesus is unlike anyone that I could have ever imagined. And he not only gives his life to the Lord, but he ends up like having just like a, he, it gets to the point where that New Testament that he got, he took it with him everywhere for the rest of his life because it was that significant for him. And this is a quote that he has about that experience in Siberia. It says, one sees the truth more clearly when one is unhappy, he writes from Siberia. And yet God gives me moments of perfect peace. In such moments, I love and believe that I am loved. In such moments, I have formulated my creed, wherein all is clear, 
and holy to me. This creed is extremely simple. Here it is. I believe that there is nothing lovelier, deeper, more sympathetic, more rational, more manly, more perfect than the Savior. I say to myself with jealous love that not only is there no one else like him, but that there could be no one like him. Jesus, social activism, fighting against injustice, these things are great. But if Jesus isn't at the center, it's just not the same. We miss it. We miss it so much. He continued to fight social activism. But he didn't do it from outside the Father's house anymore. He did it from inside the Father's house the rest of his life. And his books made a difference. Well, we're still reading his books. And he literally wrote his books to preach to society. But he did it from inside the Father's house. As I um, close up tonight, uh, I wanted to read one more story. But I'm not going to read it because of time's sake. I'm just going to kind of uh, summarize it. I will read the beginning, though, so I'll go ahead and you can throw that slide up. It's Luke 10. It's a parable of the Good Samaritan. It says, on one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, and how do you read it? Man, that, that, that little line right there, what is written in the law and how will you read it? It's just, you can go and read that later on. That's just, so there's, a lot, there's a lot there. That's really good. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. And, I'm sorry, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus goes and tells this elaborate parable of, oh, hello. He goes and tells this elaborate parable. All right, goodbye. And uh, sorry, as an officer walked in, walked out, I didn't know if you wanted to hear uh, the parable. But anyways, he goes and tells this elaborate parable where basically the whole point of the parable is that there is a guy who was hurting greatly, and the people you would expect to do something didn't do something. The priest and the Nazarite, the two most respectable people in that society. And then the person who does go and do something is a Samaritan. That is like, right now, it is, it is the easiest, tra the easiest like equivalent of that today is a neo-Nazi. It's the parable of the neo-Nazi, of the good neo-Nazi. Samar Samaritans were so despised and so below respectability. They were the worst of the worst in the society. And Jesus is saying the whole emphasis, he said, who is my neighbor? And he goes on to emphasize someone who is the worst of the worst, and he makes them the hero of the parable. You know, as an African-American man in this culture, I don't know if many people can say this and be heard correctly, but I have, I have dealt with racial injustice, especially growing up in the South. It's real. And the worst thing about the South is how blind people are to the fact that it's happening, even when you tell them stories about what you just experienced 10 minutes ago, 
and they say, oh, well, that was just that person. And you could say story after story after story, and people still don't hear you. But I can also say this as a Christian. Jesus tells me that what I need is not just to enjoy him in the Father's house, but to be so moved by him, by being in the Father's house, that I can forgive and love and pursue the people who would be the worst of the worst in my mind. For some, like me, it'd be a neo-Nazi. For others, it may be that girl who did whatever to you or that guy who did whatever to you or that family member who took advantage of you when you were innocent and young. Like it, it may be that person who lied to you. It may be that friend who stabbed you in the back. Like whatever it is, whatever you want to draw in, the good whomever in your life. The point of the gospel is that we would pursue and love people and fight for them still no matter how, how bad we think they are. Anthony was telling me a story earlier about a guy who he knew who was in the KKK and then how that guy is saved now. The bridge in there, though, is that someone continued to pursue him even though he was in the KKK. What the Father's house shows me is not only that I can find fulfillment there, not only that I can find out great things about the Father that I would have never found out had I not been in that house, and I would have enjoyed certain things like grace and forgiveness that you can't get in the Father's house, but also the Father's house shows me that I can encounter Jesus, and he can give me the power to love and forgive and continue to bear the injustices that people give to me and still seek to love them and fight for them in return, to not grow weary loving people, which to me is the hardest thing to do in this world. But his gospel tells me that he can do that. And 1 Timothy 1 tells me, or maybe 2, might be 2 Timothy 1, but that he gives us, his spirit gives us not a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. I'm going to pray, and I'm done. Lord God, I thank you, first of all, for the joys of being in your Father, in, in, in your house. There's things that we can get that we think we can get in the far country that we can only get in your house. I thank you for that. And I also thank you for the things that you give us in your house that you, we can't get anywhere else. Not even like, not even somewhat. We can't get grace. We can't get forgiveness unless we are in your house. Real grace and real forgiveness. But Lord God, you can also give us the power to not grow weary of loving people. Lord, let your spirit fall upon each and every person in this room so that we don't quit on people, no matter how messed up they are. Because I know how long I was messed up, Lord, and people didn't quit on me. You didn't quit on me. Help me, Lord God, to give what I got, which was constant grace and constant forgiveness. Man, this world is hard, Lord. We all experience it. This world is mean and it's unkind and it's full of sin and you hate sin. And we are dealing with the heavy ramifications of sin all around us. Oh, but Father, would you break our hearts so that we wouldn't quit on one another? I don't want to be like, I don't want to be like 
certain people out there who are promoting division. Help me to fight for people and to not stop fighting for people. Let your spirit fall upon everyone here so that we would not grow weary of doing good and so that we wouldn't leave your house and try to find fulfillment anywhere else. And I thank you, Lord, because your word also tells me that you will give this to us. You will give us this power. You will let us run and not grow weary. You will let us walk and not faint. You will do this, Lord. Your commands are forever your enablings. Thank you for that. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.